Hello and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 105 for the week of February 1st, 2021. I'm Mike McComb and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey Ben. Hey Mike. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. This week, we'll be recapping this weekend's selection shows, talking about the upcoming Golden Globe nominations, and sifting through the first batch of Estonia's entries. How's it going, Ben? It's pretty good here, Mike. How are things where you are? Good. This was a good weekend to have a whole bunch of TV to watch. It's just been cold and kind of dreary. And it's like, yep, mm-hmm. I just want to be under a pile of blankets on my couch and listening to pop music. So <laughs> it's been chilly here as well. So staying in the house where it's nice and warm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big plus. Yes. So the major event from this weekend was France's national selection. They've gone back to a national selection format. And yeah, really ramped up everybody's anxieties, huh? (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, no, just watching that and just going, oh, okay, then France. Sure. I did not realize that they were planning on having a live audience. I I don't know why I would have, I guess since they didn't say that they weren't going to have one, maybe, maybe, I I don't know. I I feel like we we have just been sort of lulled into a false sense of security by everybody else's preparations explicitly saying, hey, we're going to just have things in a TV studio with a minimal amount of people Mm -hmm. and we're going to wipe the stage clean between performances and we're just generally going to put a decent sized piece of plexiglass between people who are on camera and talking France's jury, which that's just already just too many people, too many people in close quarters to one another. Mm -hmm. It just looked like a row of bank tellers. Mm -hmm. And they all had customers because they also had all of the contestants on the stage. Everybody is like peeking their face around them and generally just ignoring the concept of why they're there. And it was just giving me so much anxiety. Oh, man. Yeah. And then after each performance, showing each contestant going up the stairs through the audience to whatever section of seating they were all getting crammed into like sardines thankfully it did look like in the back row everybody's wearing a mask but also france france you shouldn't be cramming all your contestants in the back row together be nicer to them so that was fun on twitter i i, I must say but uh overall yeah h- h- how do you think it went i think that there were some very dynamic performances and others that were also there i did like the frequent cuts to the two hosts of the program just vibing to whatever was happening vibing and mom dancing uh yes yes <laughs> I promise there were things I liked about France's selection. I don't want the jury to talk in between every song. That was not my thing. And then also just realizing that we're getting a number after each performance, and that's just how many judges liked a song. But this number also means nothing. It had like a weird feeling of just like feeling like there was a finger on the scale. Oh, you think so? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's tricky because, well... I guess we should say that the winner of this was uh, Barbara Previ's song Voila. Which was one of your picks last week. France in its heart of hearts wants to send chanson. And Mm -hmm. in their top, they had both Barbara and another song that was just like, it's going to be one of these because that's what France wants. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought both of those performances were good. I don't think that this is an undeserved winner. Like, I think this is the correct song. Uh, No, that was, I thought that that one had the best staging for its performance. The staging of Voila felt like it was beamed in almost from like a different television program with the camera angles they were doing. Yeah, I didn't really care for the 
the sort of Blair Witch hand camera work that was going on with that, like towards the end of the song. And a couple of other performances were using that too. So I don't know if it was just that the steady cam operator was just using a differently configured camera. Like it lo- it looked weird. It really took me out of the performance. But I, I do agree that the overall effect of the performance is like, oh, this has a plan. I liked the camera movement. It, it felt very cinema verite to use French words. Mm-hmm. It just felt like something completely different. Like a lot of the other performances were very much, we're in a studio right now performing this song. And that one just felt almost like it was a pre-recorded clip, except it wasn't a pre-recorded clip. I would agree with that. I guess in terms of our picks from last week, uh, your other pick was uh, Banon, which I think everybody which said. Which got Banon. shut out. And that surprised me because that was another one where I thought the performance was very strong and had a storyline. Although I also thought that Philippines vocals were kind of weak. And I think it was just a bad choice of how the backing vocals were implemented. But I think that that would have been if they were using the Destination Eurovision format and there was like a semifinal and then a final, like she would have been able to look at that performance, take some notes, make some fixes and get like a second chance. But that was not the case this year, unfortunately. My picks, uh, Peri Midit, uh, did not make it out of the qualifying. That didn't surprise me. I think Ali kind of oversang the song Mm -hmm. i think he was just super amped up kind of kind of reminded me of like how victor crone's performances went at both eurovision and melfest last year where it's just like yeah way too much mustard uh on on that hot dog (laughs) but my other pick amorifu by pony x really seemed to derail the internet for some reason (laughs) there was a very defined period where when when the jury was giving their final votes from like france is gonna pick pony x and i'm kind of cool with it yeah, but I don't think the rest of Twitter would have been cool with it. Like, they seem to be getting set up as the villains of the show. I'm just like, why? This song is fine. Again, it's a lot of vocal gymnastics and kind of Christina Aguilariing up up in the place, but it was fine. But no, that was one of the ones where, like, every time they would cut to the host while, while Amar Fu was playing, like, they were just having a blast. It was very silly. I was very here for it. Overall, I think the show was fine fine aside from the anxiety inducing moments but uh well and also i did like that uh france has staked a claim on ne parte pas sa moi oh like, yeah <laughs> just like just france is just like this is ours now we did that it's <laughs> like no you didn't it's <laughs> like you guys did not you guys can't even claim celine dion she's french canadian and also you made the people from tahiti fly like 20 something hours to sing their song mm-hmm. give them more points yeah. I mean, they did They did make it into the final group of eight. So it was 12 acts to start. Then the audience voted. Seven of those acts moved on. And then the judges picked a wild card from the remaining five acts. And surprise, surprise, the judges pick did not score well in the televote when they did the second round of voting. I believe it finished last uh, in, in the televote round. I think it, it did better once the jury scores were added in. My theory is... France wanted to ensure that there was diversity in their final group of eight because there have been problems in the past of artists of color making it past the qualifying rounds. And I think just having only four out of the 12 cut was working toward that goal. But I think France still needs to do some work because they're still sending a white lady singing a very French song. I feel like the the cut that they made for like the first round of voting was not a strong enough cut. Oh, no, not at all. Going from 12 to 8 is not a big jump, especially if you're not going to have performances again, if you're, if you're just going to do voting or if you're not going to do another week's show where those eight performances get to look at the tape, go, 
oh, and then make changes. I think France is moving in the right direction, but we'll 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 see if this if this sticks. But also, everyone should get a COVID test because oh my god, yeah, just like just please, <laughs> just like just like post the results on Instagram so I can like sleep easier at night. <laughs> Welcome to the Witchwood. Next on the list of weekend viewing, Norway's Marathon. It came out earlier this week that the results from the first two heats that there were voting problems again. The new app was not processing all of the votes correctly. Um, it, it didn't have an overall effect on the final results, but I think I'm understanding now why all of the non-qualifiers are going to the wildcard round. That that sounds like that may be a make good. Oh, yeah, no, that that really nails it down. Is that, like, that's why everybody gets to play is because oops the same problems from last year are sticking around for this year heat three had all newbies uh competing this time so the first round was dina versus big daddy karsten second round was emmy versus Oli hearts the winners were big daddy karsten and emmy did you get to watch any of norway i know there was a lot of other stuff uh, happening there were a lot Saturday. of stuff was happening but i was watching norway live Honestly, just as a result of this week, I'm, it's probably moving lower to my priority list, especially as we start to get more of these weekly things happening, just because Norway's process is kind of a mess. And we keep we keep saying that, but bears repeating that every week, just like, oh boy. It goes beyond, I don't know what to do with this. It's now to the point, just like, why did you give me this? I don't know what mm-hmm. to do with it, and I mm-hmm. do not want it. Even though I did not love Dina's song, I think she has a lot of great energy as a performer, and I hope that mm-hmm. she comes back with better material. Yes, because I, I like I, that. that performance was fun. This is the first of the heats where I felt like the the matches have been fairly evenly weighted, and that I didn't feel like it was an abs like that there was an absolute winner of either one or like an easily choosable winner. I think with the right voting, Dina could have gotten it. Uh, in this case, Big Daddy Karsten got it. Similarly, I had Ole Hearts uh, pegged as this was the one that's going to win because it felt like the strongest song. But mm-hmm. that perf- like that per- like. I do like knowing that, A, Norway apparently just has a requirement that one of the songs needs to feel like it could be performed in steerage class on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Just thinking of, of Magnus Boken uh, last year, and then this, oh, one. Yeah. Like, this one. This one was like very sea shanty adjacent, but uh, Ole needs some more performing time, because like that, this felt very high school musical. I mean, I think that kind of applies to all of the performances. And granted, Big Daddy Carson, I think he's closer to our age than like yes. high school age but everything about it just felt like uh, yeah just like a lot of a lot show. of high school talent show energy happening yeah yeah and it's adding to the frustration that i'm having with norway's process where i thought that norway really had everything figured out uh when they had just the one national final but spreading this out and just giving the audience 20 really subpar choices and be like hey you get to pick five and it's like cool and then you get to the final and it's like well half of these choices aren't so great and it's like well well you did it's your fault yeah (laughs) yeah so it's just watering down what was a very good process at some point someone told norway that we loved seeing how the sausage gets made and now norway just is just filling its youtube channel with videos of how the sausage is made and i no longer care 
I'm just grateful that there is other stuff to justify me not watching Norway live yes. for the, the remainder of this process. Congratulations to Emmy on winning this heat. Emmy's song sounds like it should be the theme song to something airing on the CW Thursday nights at 7. I think that is the only way to describe it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> will be added to the TV show playlist once I start making I, I can't, so. I'm like, I cannot stop <laughs> laughing every time someone in the song says, Welcome to the Hood. Welcome to the Hood. Okay, so let's talk about the other big semifinal from the weekend. Lithuania, who has figured out its process, unlike Norway. This weekend was the semifinal of Pabandam is Now Yo, where we are taking the 10 entries that had won their heat and figuring out which five of them are going to join the group in the final. It was great to see how the various acts either were or weren't modifying their performances the second time around. Mm-hmm. There were some people who kept things exactly the same, or in, in Martina's case, we're like we're keeping things mostly the same, but like added a couple of backing dancers. Yeah, and I thought that was a really good change. I think it gave a little bit more depth of field to the performance. Yeah, 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 gave more depth of field. Had the whole creepy twins vibe going on. Mm-hmm. But you also had things like uh, Gabrielis Vagelis listening to all of us. He yelled at him about his bucket hat last week, dressing up like the good humor man instead. Yeah. <laughs> so Gabrasi last week had swept the jury and the televote uh, to make it to the semifinal. He also swept the jury and the televote here. So he may be someone to to watch out for in the final if if we are going to see an upset on the roof. I'm still not sure we are. Looking elsewhere, Martina, with thank you very much, maybe wasn't doing it for the judges, but like was carried through to the the final by the audience portion of the vote. Mm -hmm. So she is in the final as well. Uh, And then we had a three-way tie for third. Evita, Titus and Benas, and Voldemars, Petersons, are all through to the final Voldemar's song keeps getting lodged in my brain. The chorus is basically the same sentence over and over again, but like that's a that's a songwriting structure that works. Those five are joining the group. Like, I'm very happy with that final lineup. Like I think that, that that this is a great representative of what's happening in Lithuania right now. I think it's still the group's year. Yeah, I mean I really I really do think it's uh Gabrasi is the only Gabrasi is the only potential really? spoiler, but like I was looking at the voting numbers on this and like they are nowhere near like what the Roop was getting last year. So I think a lot of viewers are likely waiting for the final to happen and then we're just going to see the Roop drop a train on everyone else. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody else who's participating is having a good time and gets to see some success from being part of this process. But they haven't released the running order yet, but I'd have to think that they're maybe putting the group last or I don't know. It feels like the thumb is very heavily like not not just on the scale, but like it's the whole hand just pushing the scale down. <laughs> My only complaint about Pabandam is now yo this year is that not all the songs are on Spotify right now. And I don't know if that's a Spotify Lithuania thing or what, but like a lot of the ones that I really want to add to my my playlist, I can't. I think part of it is just slow rollout. And that was that was an issue last year. Like, I don't think uh, the songs that made it to the final, I think there was one that didn't show up until like the day before the final went live. So it may be a race issue. And there are a couple of contestants who competed last year and they're just not on Spotify or at least not on US Spotify. So come on, Donata, I really want to get your songs. Uh- <laughs> Anyway, Golden Globes are coming up soon, and uh, the nominations are uh, expected to come out on Wednesday. Eurovision Fire Saga might 
be in the running in a couple of categories. Given the year we've had in cinema, yes. So the way that the Golden Globes work, uh, they're award ceremony put on by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the HFPA. And this is a group that uh, started in the 1940s. It was a group of European journalists who were basically doing PR on behalf of studios in the U.S. to kind of open up to foreign markets. Uh, everything was just very domestic-based uh, when, it, when it came to movies and, and eventually television. Kind of what we're doing in reverse. Uh, today, there are 55 countries represented spreading U.S. culture abroad. And that's pretty much the entire mission of the HFPA. And the Golden Globes are the most visible part uh, of that enterprise. The categories that Firesaka could be up for would be Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, Best Actor, uh, Musical or Comedy, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and then Best Director, Best Screenplay. It's been such a weird year for movies just because there haven't been a whole bunch of releases for reasons. What with with all of the going to the theater we do when we're not taping this program. Exactly. So I think the ones that Fire Soccer could legitimately be up for would be Best Motion Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, which is a shame because I think Dan Stevens was maybe the best part of mm-hmm. Fire Saga. He, he, he was delightful. Yeah. Do they have any sort of best song? They do not. There, okay. there are no music categories, so it's not going to be really any sort of indication on what Oscar chances are looking like uh, for Husevik. One thing that I think is always important when talking about the Golden Globes is the Golden Globes are always kind of a weird award show. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Oscars, which has the full American Motion Picture Arts and Sciences body, which consists of thousands of people as its voting membership, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association has... I believe right now about 85 people choosing those shortlists, which is how you get some of the weirdness that happens. And like there have been varying categories over the years. The one story I know that really cements like why having that smaller group leads to kind of a weird award show. In 1982, the Golden Globes had an award for Best New Star of the Year. And in 1982, it went to Pia Zadora for the movie Butterfly. Butterfly had not gotten great reviews, and Pia Zadora's performance had also not gotten great reviews, Hmm. Uh, but it came out that Pia Zadora's husband, who was a billionaire, had flown a large portion of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association to Las Vegas for a few days, where they got to see Pia Zadora perform. Hmm. She continues to deny that her Golden Globe was bought, but it was not the first scandal for the awards. Like, uh, they had to motivate celebrities to show up and told them, like, hey, if you don't show up to receive your award, we will give it to somebody else. That's actually a good jumping off point for what Eurovision's chances are in terms of nominations. So I think its most likely nomination would be in the Best Motion Picture musical or comedy category partly because there just haven't been a lot of movies so it's just a small pool to choose from it's also eurocentric so that's probably going to appeal to the voting body like thinking of the movies that have come out this year i feel like they've been more on the dramatic side yes although in the past the martian was in the musical or comedy category and yeah there were funny parts to the martian but i would have classified that as a drama and i think even when they were winning the awards they were just like Shouldn't we be a drama? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So this, Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, did you guys like give the Foreign Press Association money so that you could be in a less competitive field? 
Yeah, or something, or they're just like, well, we really want to see Matt Damon. It's like, okay, so yeah, nominate the movie. And that's the thing. I, I, the biggest competition, I think, right now, the slots are going to include Hamilton, which if it gets nominated, it's probably going to end up winning uh, regardless. Um, mm-hmm. But that is a huge ensemble cast for a v- extremely popular show. Or The Prom, which Netflix also produced. Uh, and that has like James Corden, Meryl Streep. It's like a huge ensemble cast. The Eurovision ensembles just not going to draw in as many people. I mean, you, you do have like Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, uh, Dan Stevens, then the list kind of drops off. Oh, I guess Pierce Brosnan too. But like these other movies just have a much larger ensemble with more collective star power. I think it's going to be iffy if it, if it gets one, but I, I think that is its best chance. Uh, in terms of the acting categories, I can't imagine Will Ferrell getting nominated because he was the worst part of the movie. Yeah, like he was... But... Like, he was not, like, my favorite part of that film. But at the same time, the HFPA may be like, well, we really want Will Ferrell to be there. So who knows? And and that's the other thing. It's just like, we don't know what the ceremony is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Like, we say, like, oh, we want this person to be there. It's like, are there going to be any people there? Or is everybody zooming in like they did for the Emmys? In which case, like, it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Rachel McAdams, I wouldn't mind seeing her getting nominated. I thought she did really good work. She did great work as, like, sort of the emotional core of the movie. There might be a little too much competition in that category. For the other film categories, Best Supporting Actor, since it's not split between drama and comedy, like, I, I don't see Dan Stevens getting uh, in there. Best Director, no. Best Screenplay, no. So, fingers crossed that something happens on Wednesday. Looking forward to this weekend, we finally have Melfest on the horizon. Mike, they have a coronavirus plan. Have you looked at their coronavirus plan? <laughs> I hesitate to call it a plan. It seems more like a collection of pinky swears. If France's whole process didn't give me heart palpitations this week, reading through this definitely did. The gist of it is just that, like, the performers aren't going to want to miss Melfest, so they're going to they're gonna behave. And it's like, that's not enough of a carrot to put on the end of the stick. No, no. I mean, like, some, some of the tweaks, uh, like, they changed it to a maximum of six on stage instead of eight, which I can see them needing to change that just because if they're going to film the performance the following day for the backup version, which they're going to have to do, actually, because there's not going to be much time between the end of Melfest and when they need to get their stuff over to the EBU for the submission deadline. So, yeah, they don't want to have to, like, fire two people, like, 24 hours after they win. Mm -hmm. There was a statement from the person who's essentially looking over this who's gone well considering what the situation looks like in sweden where the infection is still spreading and the vaccination has just begun i think it will be difficult to go through an entire season without anything happening at all uh that's why we work so hard on this prevent a possible infraction from spreading it's like you didn't do anything okay so it's just wishful thinking that things won't like the fact that they are already planning on there being something going wrong well i I like i i actually don't mind that i like that a lot i feel like particularly looking in America, there have been various different ways that colleges and universities have handled the mm. the whole thing. And like, I think going into it with the attitude of something is going to happen, here is the plan for when it does, is the way to approach things. But also, I feel like Sweden has not, has not fully thought through that. The plan ends with, well, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, I think I think that's where my hang up is, because like looking through what the plan is, if somebody's not able to perform on the Saturday, they will use either the Thursday or Friday rehearsal 
footage uh, mm-hmm. uh, as a backup, which makes sense. But the way it's phrased, and this this could potentially be a translation error, but if you don't make it to the Thursday or Friday perfor- uh, rehearsal, but you do the Saturday performance, they'll just do the Saturday performance. It's like so presumably you could have somebody who's running 102 fever and be like no i gotta do melfast they said that if i really wanted to do this i should do this and yes yeah no, sweet, sweet. <laughs> just like yeah no it, it just it just feels like sweden's answer to the question so what are you guys guys gonna do if somebody tests positive for covid is yes mm-hmm yeah. And that is not reassuring. Although the one thing I am looking forward to is uh, everybody's wearing these sensors that uh, if you stand uh, too close, like less than 1.5 meters uh, from somebody else, uh, there'll be some sort of indication. But they haven't said what these sensors are. So I don't know if it's like a Fitbit where it just does a, like an arm vibration thing or if it's like a shock collar or if there's like the QI <laughs> uh, klaxon goes off. Or... <laughs> in, in, my brain, in my brain is if two people get within range of one another just starts playing the pleases don't stand so close to me oh there we go yeah yeah so. <laughs> i guess france was kind enough to provide us a test run of the anxiety induced performances uh mm-hmm. <laughs> that we we get to look forward to on saturday Yay. yeah so uh what these these seven acts we get to look forward to are kadiatu who is the runner-up on swedish idol 2018 Lily Oster, a rock and metal band. Jessica Anderson, who won in 2003 as part of Fame, so uh, give me your love. Uh, she's competed solo five times since then, most recently in 2018 with Party Voice, which is just a real Jen Mar- Jenna Maroney schlager number. <laughs> I encourage you to try and find the video, though you might have to like go into the geo-locked SVT section mm. of things. Big wine mom energy. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> Let's see, uh, Paul Ray, who finished sixth last year. Arvin Garna, who represented Sweden at Eurovision in 1993. They last competed in 2019. Natalie Bredolf, who is Swedish Idol 2018 as well, where she plays sixth. Just a lot of Swedish Idol this week, apparently, uh, because we mm-hmm. also have Danny Saucedo, uh, Swedish Idol 2006. He plays sixth. Melfest 2009 as part of EMD. Uh, Melfest 2011, Melfest 2012, and he's finished third all three times across those Melfest performances. So maybe this is his year, or maybe he'll just finish third again. Consistency. Uh, other stuff that is coming up this week. Well, actually, what what has already happened just moments before we started recording, uh, Sunit dropped her latest Freaky Trip to Rotterdam video. This time she is covering Greece's 2013 entry, Alcohol is Free. Ben, did you get a chance to watch the video? I was viewer number two on the video, and I oh, feel real what? weird about that. <laughs> like, I, I like. Did she text you directly, or she didn't text me directly? But like, at about six p.m., opened up her Twitter page and saw that her bio had updated with the new video. I was like, "Well, let's do this." And then, like, the YouTube page opened. Was like, "Well, there's already one view on it, so I'm pretty sure I'm view number two. So, and here we are. Nice. I was trying to figure out if she chose alcohol is free because it's the end of dry I was happy to see her pick something that wasn't a winner. That that was what I was expecting from this series was like some deep cuts. Yeah. And it's weird because this one shouldn't be as much of a deep cut as it kind of is. Like it, this one feels like it should be more a part of the Eurovision canon, you know? Mm-hmm. Although I'm not sure I like it as much as like a solo number. Like it feels very much like a group sort of a band number like it was in the original performance. Mm. 
Interesting. I mean, she did have her two dancers and the dog. I <laughs> that that was really I I like this video a lot and I like this interpretation of the song a lot. But the dog in the video, it just seemed like it kind of wandered onto the set and they're just like, cool, just use like, it, just go. It was just it was just like <laughs> it was like we get we we don't have time to do another take. Just work with the dog. Yeah, yeah, and the dog just looked confused the entire time. It was, it was a cute dog. I'm not sure all of the setups worked for me. I don't know. Like I feel like. I have been primed by the previous freaky trips to Rotterdam from Sunit that there's like an overarching theme to the video. And this one didn't really feel like it had a theme. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with the quote at the yes, end. That, the that might be why it wasn't clicking for me, because so far she's been picking larger names like Warhol, like Fellini, where it's been really easy to see the thumbprint of that on the overall video. I thought the costuming was interesting. I thought the choreography was good. Her Greek sounds excellent. And um, yeah, I also noticed that it's sampling a, a little bit of Maniac from Flashdance. So Flashdance is also having a moment uh, at Eurovision this year for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I think this one might be my favorite of this set. And I'm curious to see if this is the last one that she's doing before going to Eurovision mode or if we have one more to look forward to for March. Looking forward to other selections, uh, Croatia is going to be using a new score system for Dora. Uh, it's going to use something along the lines of the Melfest model, and I think that's largely just because they're trying to avoid the awkward tiebreaker situation that we had in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have song snippets dropping this weekend, and the final is on the 13th. Ooh, two weeks away. It's Yeah. Up. Yeah. Um, let's see. Bulgaria announced that uh, Victoria will be dropping an EP called A Little Dramatic. And the songs on it, I think it's a five-song EP, uh, will be the ones that are up for consideration for Eurovision. And they are soliciting listener feedback once that album drops to make their final determination as to what her song will be in Rotterdam. I am very excited for this. I am. I am too. Although I'm just like, what did they mean by ve- like by listening comments? Or am I going to get like a Google form survey if I purchase the EP? Are they going to just be trawling the the iTunes comments? I know when they were working with Equinox in 2018, that one also had a public component sort of similar to this. Like their uh, Twitter, the BG Eurovision account was auditioning people and trying to get as much like external input as possible going into the decision-making process so i guess keep an eye on their twitter for more information fun iceland's process seems to be continuing along like dothy has been very open on instagram about sort of showing little details of the process like we've, we've been seeing vocals getting recorded we've been seeing behind the scenes prep happening iceland has announced that its song will be released on march 13th and then Ruve is going to be airing a documentary on dothy starting on march 6th which I'm very excited about because I am predictable. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be a fun show. Hopefully there'll be English subtitles or English dub or something. Uh, so that so that we'll be able to enjoy it unless... Uh, well, how's your Icelandic coming along? You know, it's getting real rusty. Um, okay. But I, I, I'm hoping that it is sort of like similar in vain to the Hattori documentary that Ruve aired before their trip to Tel Aviv. Hmm. Because like that was that was really nice, just sort of seeing them in their natural setting, and I think that formed the basis of the documentary that's currently touring the film festival circuit right now. Oh, cool! Ton of stuff to look forward to, and yet we're looking even farther ahead to Estonia. Their semifinals are coming up in a couple of weeks, and uh, we figured there's 
actually a lull in activity in terms of televised finals and semifinals and stuff. So we wanted to do our Estonia picks early before everything kind of piles up. Today, we're going to talk about the first semifinal of East Yilal. There are 12 songs that are competing. Uh, Six will advance to the final, uh, which will be happening in March. In the format that we have adopted for this season, uh, we're each going to pick two songs that we think will advance, that we like, that we have good things to say about. Uh, so, uh, Ben, what, what is your first pick? I have a lot of positive feelings about the Estonian lineup. Like, this feels like a very rich base to pull from. I was very pleasantly surprised at, at just how diverse genre-wise this feels. Because I mm-hmm. feel like there were a few years where I found it difficult to pick not just songs that I liked, because there's a lot of things that I liked, mm-hmm. but songs that felt appropriate for like the eurovision stage because i think there's a lot of really good vibes happening but they're not all eurovision ones i would agree with that and i think that's going to complicate my selections probably (laughs) but (laughs) oh yeah no like i i have just like a list of of things that i've already added to just sort of my my eurovision almost list just because i want to listen to them more Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that feels like it's chasing current pop trends yes and None of those made the the two that I picked ultimately, but like it was very nice to hear a song that feels like it's directly referencing Doja Cat's Say So happening at Eurovision in like 2021 potentially, mm-hmm. even though I'm not sure that that's the right way to go for Eurovision 2021, especially because it feels like it's maybe not doing all that much innovatively on top of Say So. The stuff that I'm getting drawn to is stuff where, I, where like I can mentally just form a picture of, oh, this is what the staging for this would look like, and this this could be very effective. Mm-hmm. Was "Kiss Me" by Carl Killing. So I can give you my time. Drive you to the moon, the place where I met you when I was lost. There's a lot of stuff happening in this list, and there's some stuff that feels very poppy, very on trend. This one, like I would say that this one also feels very on trend, but again, there's just something refreshing about its simplicity. It reminds me a little bit of Plain White Tees and like kind of that era of acoustic pop. And it's a very well-produced track, and I think it's going to sound really nice live and uh mm-hmm. estonia is also like not going to have a live audience uh for their semifinals and i think if i'm sure they're going to set it up so that the studio doesn't feel cavernous but if it were cavernous i think this would sound really cool in that kind yes. of acoustic space i had the same feeling of like oh this is gonna be like a very stark performance and this that's going to benefit it i can't imagine this one not qualifying like th- th- this feels just tailor-made for uh advancing to the final The one that I'm most interested in seeing performed live, because I'm not sure how it's going to work, is Andre Zevakin and Pluto's Wingman. (laughs) 
this is another track that feels very contemporary and yes. like just like what is happening right now on the radio. It does fall into that category of life in the club, which uh, we have often joked about uh, being mm-hmm. very relatable, but it sounds very interesting. And I think it's a really strong radio track, but since it's so monotone in its delivery, I'm very curious to see how they stage this and and if it's going to be a compelling performance or not yes this one was on my short list of of songs that i wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. but but that i also was like this is not necessarily my flavor of of pop that i like but it's of it's really having a moment right now it's very exciting to see this happening at the eurovision level and i'm like you i'm just like okay but like how do they stage this one because this feels very strong for radio it's not the normal like a song that i would normally gravitate toward but it's the one that i find the most interesting in this Mm -hmm. set of 12 and that i'm just most curious about and it's like okay tell me a little bit more and Mm -hmm. yeah um like it it may end up like they perform it and be like oh yeah this is my least favorite of the night i don't think that's going to be the case the other one that i had on my list of ones that i would that that i guess intrigued me and that i would love to see go further if the live performance goes well is Tulip. It is twangy in a way that I normally do not like my country to be twangy, mm-hmm. but like it, like I went back to this one as I was listening through everything where yeah. it's another one where I'm just like, what does the staging for this look like? What does the live performance of this song look like? It definitely has an earworm quality about it. And I don't think their setup is like a jug band type setup, but I could see them emulating something along those lines. And I think that, that could be visually interesting, particularly where it is in the lineup. The one before it is kind of more of a kind of overwrought ballad. And then the other one is Mm -hmm. much more uh, in a trance space. Yes. Yeah. Like like, I liked that trance track, but I'm also just like that does trance work at Eurovision. I'm not sure it does. Yeah. But it's just like this is so different from either of those that it's going to stand out just because of that. And then uh, whatever staging they do on top of that, I I think is really going to help it pop. My other choice, again, kind of falls into the category of not my normal cup of tea, but I'm very curious to see if it works, is uh, We Could Have Been Beautiful by Quite To Me. the production of this track and if Coit is able to hit the falsetto like in a live performance i think that could be a really good moment especially if it's just kind of a basic i don't want to say basic performance like oh this performance is so basic but just like not adding too many unnecessary elements like if it's just him sitting at the piano playing i think that could work 
I'm just now thinking about Ukusaviste surrounded by like 30,000 candles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't do not do that, please. Even though I'm sure Sony's be like, we've got these 30,000 candles, please somebody use them. But I think with this particular song, it's like the narrator is kind of a jerk, which I think is an unfortunate side effect of a lot of Quaid's songs. Like that was kind of yeah. my attitude <laughs> with, with Verona. It, it and... is a recurring motif in his work. Yeah, yeah. But I think a really solid performance of this could make it a contender. It didn't move me as much as because I feel like it's what... It, I feel like I've seen it at Eurovision before, particularly oh, yeah. at maybe even from Coit before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one that I did want to make sure that we talked about, uh, what, what was your thoughts on Tanya's Best Night Ever? I really liked her 2014 entry. This yes, one, same. Like, it is just so in the original version of The Sims, you were able to drop MP3s into the music folder and it would just play that as a music track. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you could do that with this song. And even though the song is in English, it would sound like perfectly within the Sims. It, it would sound like Simlish. Simlish. Yeah. Yeah. But not like that time that Katy Perry did Simlish. Like, I think it would just be like, I'm just picturing like, people doing sim dancing to it where mm-hmm. their arms are like going up and down up and down and then the weird butt shaking and it's just gonna be that for three minutes uh, okay what, what what were your thoughts on this one i mean like my thoughts are are probably in a similar space and that i also enjoyed tanya's last entry for estonia and this time but the what i wrote down on paper was real housewives song is is like this is yes. this is the, this is the, this is the single that the housewife that can actually sing releases now all i want is Countess Luann to do a cover. Oh, I, I almost, I almost explicitly wrote down Countess Luann, um, because I, I started out with with Jenna Maroney, but I'm like, no, no, no Jenna, Jenna Maroney would pass on this. This is at, but and, and Countess Luann would absolutely pick it up. Oh man, if she leans into that sort of characteristic, I, I could see it maybe working i don't know six of these songs are going to get through and granted this is this is kind of a stacked field like yeah like this is again like yeah like the main thing i want to say about this first half of the estonian lineup is that it's very good and there's a lot of like there's there's something for everybody in there yeah yeah and and i think the second half is going to be just as stacked which means it's going to be a really good set of shows but we will talk about the second half next week and that's going to do it for this episode of the euro what thank you for listening the euro what podcast is hosted by mike mccomb that's me and ben smith that's me you can subscribe to the euro what on the podcast app of your choice if you're looking for us on spotify be sure to check out the playlists we have for this year's national selection entries You can also find links to those playlists in our show notes, which are in the description of this episode or on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to contact us, we're at eurowhat on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to try to make sense of what's new in Eurovision.